Well, let's jump into the Word. You should have your notes if you want to follow along. Now, uh, last week, I talked about wholehearted love, and I'm building on that. So if you missed that, you might want to go back and listen to it. Um, because uh, God gave me two things the week before that that I knew I was supposed to speak on. The first one was wholehearted love, and the second one was thirst. And I even, as I was preparing this this week, I even kind of tried to go off on a little rabbit trail, and uh, I was going to head in a slightly different direction. It's like God just yanked me up and said, talk about thirst. And I went, okay. So apparently, he really wants to talk about this. Um, so I wasn't sure where I was going to go, but uh, I just started going to all the verses I know that talk about it, and God put it together. Uh, so let's play with this a little bit. And I think his desire is not only to strengthen thirsting in us this morning, uh, but to, to like it. Uh, that's not normally, you know, I don't, in the natural, like being thirsty or hungry. I like eating and drinking, you know. Uh, but I think... He wants to build in us a desire, a, a, an enjoyment, even of the thirsting. And so let's get into that. Now, uh, we'll put the verses up. You can follow along if you want or just, you know, look up occasionally. Uh, psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Uh, this is a, a psalm from the uh, uh, sons of, I forget, begins with a K. Who remembers? Korah. That's them. Sons of Korah uh, write this psalm. And they express this in kind of poetic language, but it's intense. It says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So this paints a pretty vivid picture. If you ever, you know, if you see a deer wandering around the woods panting, uh, you know exactly what it wants. Right? It's looking for water. And so it paints this picture of a deer panting, looking for water. And it says, he's asking, when can I come and be in your presence? When can I come appear before you? So he's expressing a thirst to be in God's presence. And it's an intense thirst. And so, again, I think it's important when we read verses like this, we just ask, do, do we thirst for God like a deer pants for water? And I was trying to think, I can't remember panting in church ever, but that's really not the point, right? But it's still a good question. Do I thirst like that? And do I need to thirst like that? Is it important? Should we thirst like that? Is this important to God that I'm thirsty like that? Well, I'm not going to answer that for you, and, and I'm just going to keep going. Uh, I just want to say I think it's important that we ask that question, that we ask that question of ourselves. So I was asking that question of myself this week. You think you guys got it hard, uh, you know, as I begin to explore this and I have to ask myself, I'm like, dang, I'm not, I'm not as happy as I'd like to be with my answers, right? You guys ever feel that way? God's not mad about that. He's provoking us to something good. So I went on Psalm 63. We talked about this a few weeks ago, verses one and two. This is David. He says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And again, we talked about this, but I just want to remind you of some things we got out of it because I think this is important. 
The first thing is he says, again, he's thirsting for God, just like the deer. Uh, but he says, because of that, I seek you. I look for you in the sanctuary. So I think real thirst has to drive seeking for God. And here's what I mean by that. If I, you know, ask the average Christian, are you hungry and thirsty for God? They'll go, yeah. I go, what are you doing about it? Well, I go to church every Sunday. And, and I pray for my meals. That doesn't sound that thirsty, does it? Where's the panting, right? And so I think the seeking, if we're honest with ourselves, the seeking is an indication of our thirst, isn't it? So Dave says, I'm so thirsty for you, I'm not even waiting for Sunday. I'm seeking you early. I'm going to get up this morning and seek you, even though it's Tuesday or whatever. And he goes on and he says that, uh, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. Now, I don't think he was talking about living in the Sahara. Remember, this is the guy, uh, he merely expressed his thirst one time. Oh, I would love to have a drink from that well down there that's surrounded by uh, Saul's army. Uh, and a couple of his guys went down and killed some people and brought him back a jug of water. I'm pretty sure all King David had to do was say, I'm thirsty, and something appeared in his hand, right? He is not talking about a dry and thirsty land where there's nothing to drink at the palace. He is talking about a comparison to encountering God and everything else. He's saying, I recognize that there's nothing that satisfies me but him. I'm in a dry and thirsty land. There's you know, false gods everywhere, but I'm thirsty for him and only him, only he will satisfy. And so we need to get that. Uh, see, I occasionally get that. I don't always, you know, uh, I'm not always not happy with my answers, but uh, I thought about as I'm, uh, you're going to get a lot of my wandering thoughts in this because I was evaluating myself as I'm going through this and my own thirst and how's that going and stuff like that. And I thought about fasting, and I used to probably fasted more when I was younger, possibly because I was younger. Um, but I would sometimes I'd schedule it. There was a time we did we did one day a week. There was a time I'd do longer fast, whatever. And I don't seem to as much. But I thought about it. When do I fast? And I noticed that I do it now, uh, not so much because someone called a fast, but because uh, I kind of feel by the Spirit led to fast. But I noticed that it's, it starts with, I feel some sort of deficit. I feel like something's missing. I feel like I don't have enough. What happens is I have some spiritual deficit. I need to overcome something or I, whatever. And, uh, and the, the thirst to be better becomes greater than my hunger. And so I fast. And I found, I think that makes sense. It's very natural that... I find myself fasting in times where uh, I just hit the point where I go, you know, I am not happy with where I am spiritually, and I want that more than I want food. And I think that's kind of what God's talking about here, what David's talking about, where, uh, where it drives our seeking. And then the, the other thing we learned in Psalm 63 was this. He says specifically, I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Uh, he's seeking specific things. We're going to talk more about that. I think it's okay to have a thirst for specific things. Now, 
that has to be second to him. First, he said, I've looked for you in the sanctuary. Once I find you, now I'd like some power and glory. So he's looking for the source, and then he's looking for some specific things. Why do I mention this? Because I think we need to stir our thirstings even for specific things. Not just everything. I can't handle thirsting for everything. But there are times where I want something, and it'll drive me to fasting and prayer because I thirst for that. I know Sandy, for example, thirsts for healing. I know Gary. I've heard Gary express thirst for more prophetic in the church. Uh, you've heard me express uh, a thirst for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in all the people at Church on the Rock. And so I think it's, it's good not only that we, in general, thirst for God, thirst for Jesus, but that we identify the things that are in us that stir us to thirst, that, that we need to maybe, uh, you know, that's your part in the body, to be thirsty for that thing, to pull for that thing, all right? So, here's where it gets interesting. In Revelation, I love Revelation 21.6, it's basically the same thing is said in Revelation 22. He said to me, it is done, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so this is the end of Revelations. God's kind of putting a cap on things and going, here's kind of what the whole deal was about. And here it is. I will give of the fountains of the waters of life freely to him who thirsts. This is at the end of it all. And he's still talking about thirsting. So here's what I want you to get. It sounds to me like he wants to freely give us of the fountains of the waters of life. Who wants that? No, okay, good. That was make me nervous there for a minute. I was going to say we might as well just go home then. We want, we want the fountains of the waters of life that he gives freely. But it's, it seems in this verse that he's made thirsting a prerequisite to that. I will give it to you if you thirst. Amen. Right? Thirsting is a prerequisite. Now that's got to mess with us a little bit. Now, again, I want to I warn you off of an error. Uh, I do want to ask the question, why is thirsting a prerequisite? But remember last week when we talked about wholehearted love, we talked about that it's about uh, invitation, not about obligation. So this is not a prerequisite in the sense that we're anyway earning anything. It's not a performance. It's not that we're proving we love him enough by thirsting. You really got to get that. That's not what he's talking about when he makes it a prerequisite. In fact, I'm going to prove it right here in Isaiah 55.1. He says through Isaiah, Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So what's it cost to get the freely given fountain of the water of life? It's not a trick question. Nothing. It's free. Yet, yet there's a prerequisite of thirst. And that's what I want us to think about. Uh, and not only, I love Isaiah 55 because it doesn't only say water. You, you want water? I got water. Come. And then he says, how about wine? You need wine? Now, you know wine often in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. You want wine? I got that. You're thirsty for wine? Come. Free. No money. No price. How about milk? Hebrews uh, uses milk to reference the word of God or being sustained or being built up. You want revelation in the word? I got that. I got milk. What are you thirsty for? Come. 
It's all free. Isn't that awesome? But we have to thirst. So here's where I'm going with this. Here's what I've concluded as I've been pondering this this week. That the thirst isn't in any way for God. It is not in any way earning something, proving something, making God do something he didn't want to do anyway. The thirst is for us. I want you to get this. The thirst is for us. God has given us thirst because of things he wants to give us. The thirst is for us. It is how we enter into our faith partnership with God. Without thirsting, we won't go there. We won't obtain the things he has that he wants to give us. All right? So really want you to get that. The thirsting is for us. Let me show you this. Uh, One of my favorite stories to demonstrate this. In Mark chapter 10, this is blind Bartimaeus. You guys remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? Walking by Jericho, and it says, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, so there's a lot of people, it's a big church service, and it's a moving church service. I'm not sure where they're headed. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. He began to express his thirst. With me? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. Dude, shut up. Don't you understand it's a church service? Just put your prayer request on a little white card. Put it in It'll be fine. Don't interrupt. Right? And of course, it says he cried out all the more. I'm not doing white cards. I'm thirsty. I need something. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Waited for him to cry a couple times. Then he stops. Stood still. And commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Now I picture in the crowd, 87 people raising their hand going, I know, I know. Right? And he would not know what he wanted. Did Jesus not know what he wanted? Any chance Jesus was not aware of what he needed? No. Why does he ask the question? Because he needs an expression. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus does this every once in a while. Let's go, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? I need you to express your thirst. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, here's what blows my mind. In this whole thing, I am very impressed with Jesus. And I'm at least impressed with Bartimaeus' thirst. But what blows my mind is Jesus said, he receives his sight, and Jesus says, you know what did that? Your faith. Your faith, Bartimaeus. Your faith made you well. Now, if I'm in the crowd at that point, I'm shaking my head, going, now, I've been watching and Jesus, it seems to be whenever you say stuff, people get healed. How did him saying stuff get him healed? How'd that happen? Why is that? I don't understand how that's his faith. That seems like 
it's all you, Jesus. Well, it is, and it isn't. It's a partnership, right? What Jesus needed, Jesus' part of the partnership is he heals the sick. Uh, Bartimaeus' part of the partnership is he needed to thirst. He needed to express that thirst. And so he did. Jesus responded to his thirst. The point I want you to see is expressing our thirst is faith. Jesus called that faith. He said, I'm thirsty to receive my sight. And Jesus goes, that's faith. Let's do it. And if we continue to do that, express our thirst, and God does stuff. And we express our thirst, and God does stuff. We end up with what happened with Bartimaeus. It says he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He had a new thirst. I was thirsty to be healed so I could see. Now I'm kind of interested in that guy, and I'm going to follow him. I'm thirsty for him. I can see now I'm moving to him. So what I want you to see is, as we have these interactions, these faith-thirst interactions, they will produce intimacy in us. They will increase. They will grow. We will get more thirst. Make sense? Okay. So you're starting to get an appetite for thirsting? It's a good thing. It's for us. It's not a bad thing. Now, probably the best passage to look at is the next one we're going to look at, John 7. 37, 38, because Jesus hits this one. He's, it's on, he's at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's at the part where they're pouring out water, and uh, it's symbolic of the living water. And he just goes, hey, by the way, this is a good time for me to talk about what I know about living water. And so he does. He says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, what's the prerequisite? Thirsting. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Anybody want rivers of living water? Okay, it starts with thirst. So, let's unpack this a little bit. The first one is, there's three clear things here. Uh, the first one is that we have to thirst, as I've already said maybe 15 times now. But we have to cultivate thirst. I'm telling you, we have to cultivate thirst. We have to stir thirsting in us. Uh, sometimes we can believe a lie that thirsting is somehow wrong. Um, you know, I've heard things like this. Well, God is sovereign, and he's going to do what he wants. I'm just, I'm just a humble servant. I'm just going to, uh, you know, trust God. Well, that's great. What if he responds to your thirsting, and if you never express it, he doesn't do anything? What if he just keeps walking by Jericho? Amen. Maybe we've believed a lie. Or, this is my favorite one, you know, well, I don't want to bother God with him. Like, seriously? <laughs> Holding the universe together, and he's only using one hand. Sure. Biggest issue you got, probably not going to, you know, wreck his day. <laughs> right? But we think like that sometimes, don't we? And so we, what I want you to get is it's God wants us to thirst. It's not wrong. It's not presumptuous. It's not a lack of faith. It is faith. He wants us to thirst for these things. We have to cultivate thirst. And there are 
there is an enemy, there are things that will try and steal your thirst. And I just want to hit these real fast. What I'm going to call thirst stealers. The first one is satisfaction, low expectation. Basically contentedness. I'm fine, I've got enough, I'm good, I can pay all my bills and all that. You know, it really doesn't matter if a lot of the things in the Bible that I read I don't do. I'm good, I'm going to heaven, I'm content. Uh, church is good enough. You know, we get done in time to go to lunch. Usually I learn something about once a month. It's not bad. I'm content, right? Low expectation. David said, uh, talked about this in Psalm 27, 13, uh, said, this will ruin your thirst. David said, if I didn't believe, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, not in heaven, now. If I didn't believe I was going to see the goodness of the Lord, the activity of the Lord, the kingdom of the Lord operating in my life, if I didn't believe that, I'd lose hope. I'd toss it in. I'll be honest with you right now. If you could convince me that this was right now this morning as good as it got for the rest of my pastoring, I would do something else tomorrow. I am not kidding. If I didn't believe I would see the goodness of the Lord, the activity of his kingdom, I would lose heart. That's what David said. Right? So we can't just be satisfied. It's an enemy of thirst. In fact, David, in the very next verse, gave the solution. He said, therefore, I say, wait on the Lord, which we learned when we looked at it in Isaiah, uh, means to be braided together with the Lord. It's intimacy. It says, get close to him. I would have lost hope if I didn't believe this stuff. So get close to him. Right? Another enemy is weariness. Anybody get tired? Yeah? Absolutely. Isaiah talked about that. Even young men grow faint and weary. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Right? And so we can get weary. But it's the same solution, making a decision. Hey, I'm tired, but I'm going to be braided together with God. I'm, going to, I'm not going to let my tiredness steal my thirst. I'm going to take a nap, and then I'm going to get up and go after it. Whatever. Galatians 6, 9, don't be weary in well-doing. You will reap if you don't faint, if you don't get weary. Matthew 11 and 12, all you who are weary and heavy laden, do what? Come to me. Right? Same word. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me and you'll have rest. Are you weary? The solutions come to me. It's remarkably simple, isn't it? A good enemy of thirst is apathy. Laziness. Yeah, it's good enough. Uh, you, this, I know this is going to shock you guys, but I sometimes get lazy. Uh, it just happens. I'm not proud of it. But I can be as lazy as the next guy. And when I catch myself being lazy, I have to make a decision. Am I going to stir thirst back up? You know what helps me? Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 24 and 25 says, Not to forsake gathering together with the saints, but stir one another up to good works. So... Uh, why are we here? So we can stir each other up. Because some of us are probably lazy right now. And uh, I find that 
it helps me when I'm lazy to get around people who are thirsty. It provokes me to be thirsty. Just a thought. Okay? All right. And the last one I put down is boredom, but this one's so much fun, I'm going to save it for next week. I'm going to talk about that next week. Uh, I will give you a teaser. Next week's title will be Appetite for Pleasure. Think about that one. All right. So, first, we have to cultivate thirst. Second, says, now, anyone thirsts, come to me. We have to come to him. Now, again, some of these things seem, well, duh, but let's evaluate what we do. Sometimes we get thirsty and just go to each other and talk for 37 minutes about why the church isn't the way the church should be and what needs to happen and why aren't people getting healed and why isn't this going on. And then we pray for two minutes and go to lunch. Just want to point out, it doesn't say come to each other with your thirst. It says come to me. Now you can as a group do it. We can all get together and go, let's go to Jesus in a big herd. But we need to go to him. Just say it, right? Because we're not looking to just talk about it. We're looking to see some solutions. So we come to him with our thirst and we express it. We come to him with our thirst and we express it just like blind Bartimaeus did. We express our thirst. We get his attention with our thirst. And again, we talked earlier that that's a way of building faith and intimacy with God, right? That we're expressing our thirst and he's responding and we're building. And so we stir the thirst and we go to him and express it. Now, let me show you another reason this is important. Because uh, we can, uh, and, and you guys know, if you've been here any amount of time, I, I'm, I'm a word guy. I'm a scripture guy. If it ain't in scripture, then, I mean, if I'm going to do something, I've got to find word for it. I'm big on the Bible. But you can be, believe it or not, too big on the Bible. And what I mean by that is you can miss Jesus for the Bible, for doctrine. The Bible is for him. Here's what I mean. Jesus was talking in John chapter 5 to the religious leaders, and he says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they will tell you how to have eternal life. They don't in and of themselves give you eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, Jesus, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You understand what I'm saying? Or what Jesus is saying, in case that was too controversial. That was him, not me. (laughs) Jesus is saying, it's not enough just to search the scriptures and have awesome doctrine. That won't give you life. The scriptures need to lead you to come to me so that you can have life. Remember, our hungering and our thirsting needs to be first for him. That's where the life is. That's where the fountain of life is. He is the keeper of the fountain of life. Right? So... Where this comes up for us is we can, we can think we're okay because we have right doctrine. For example, uh, how many of you believe that uh, what we were singing earlier um, out of Psalm 103, he heals all our diseases, that God heals sickness. Okay, good, lots of hands. Um, 
How many of you believe that the church exists so that people can come and get healed and get set free of bondage and get delivered? And, and you guys believe that? Yes. Okay. Now, if you go to church week after week after week after week and that does not happen, what difference does it really make? Does that bug you? Yes. Bugs me. Yes. Bugs me. It is not enough for me to have right doctrine if I don't have the actual experiences. And so I'm wondering, is the scripture more than just right doctrine? Is it promises that are made to make us thirsty so that we'll go to God like blind Bartimaeus and say, God, church is good, but it's not enough. Uh, it bugs me that people aren't coming in and getting set free and getting healed, God. I'm thirsty, and it says you'll do that. Right? Now, I'm not saying don't have right doctrine, don't, because some people will change their doctrine to fit their experience. Don't they? And that is a lot easier, trust me. If I just take my current experience, match my doctrine to it, my effort goes way down. But if I want to keep trying to get my experience up to my doctrine, man, I got to go keep expressing thirst to God, keep talking about that. Does this make sense? So you're seeing how thirst is the vehicle God has given us to pursue the things he wants to give us anyway. But it brings us into that faith partnership. All right. Last thing says, if anyone thirsts, two, come to me, three, and drink. And again, uh, you might think, well, duh, if you were already thirsty and you came to Jesus and he shows up with a big thing of living in water, why wouldn't you drink? And yet some people don't. And here's why. Some people get afraid. Oh, the presence of God is here. Oh, I feel like I should go up front. What if I go up front? What if the pastor prays for me? What if he prophesies over me? I'm supposed to go to Zimbabwe. What if the Holy Spirit wants me to dance? Oh, my God. What if I have to dance in Zimbabwe? I don't even know how they danced in Zimbabwe. <laughs> and you are not drinking. Are you? Fear will keep you from drinking, even in the presence of God. Unworthiness. I think I'm supposed to go up and I just, I'm just going to stay back here and repent some more. I just, if I repent some more, maybe, maybe next week I'll feel like I can go drink from God's living water. Right? Sounds ridiculous, but haven't we all done that? Every single one of us? So we have to make a decision to drink when he's, when he's serving. <laughs> right? Incidentally, the solution to fear and unworthiness is found in verse 38. Or we just read in John 7, he who believes in me as the scripture has said, what has the scripture said about Jesus regarding you? Is your worthiness an issue? Is he, you know, uh, a mean brute who's just waiting for you to come up front so he can make you find the one thing you don't want to do and make you do it to prove that he's God and you're not? Is that going to happen? No. You begin to believe in Jesus the way the scriptures have said, you won't be afraid. 
His perfect love will cast out your fear. You won't feel unworthy. You will understand that you've been accepted in the beloved by the blood of Jesus. Nothing you did or didn't do or could do. Right? He's just given free drinks. And all you have to do is be thirsty. So, Psalm 34, 8. Uh, we, the last couple of weeks we were praying. We had an elders and wives prayer night. And this first came up two or three times. So it's been sticking out to me. And this is kind of where it fits. It, and you guys know, it just says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And drinking is about tasting. It's about coming to the place where we go, I'm going to experience God. God, I need to experience you. Now, we all have different experiences in different ways. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to grade them in one's better than another. Don't go start comparing yourself with other people's. Um, it can be as simple as hearing God say something or just feeling his love for you. But we have to experience him. He must be experienced. We must taste and see that he is good. We can't just read and see that he is good. We have to taste it, right? It'll change us. And God wants to do that. And so our thirst leads us to coming to him, leads us to drinking, leads us to having opportunities to taste and see that he is good. We, uh, we noticed this a lot when we were working with the youth, that the ones that got thirsty and encountered God, usually it's about age 14 or 15, they start figuring out this isn't mom and dad's God anymore, this is my God, and I got to figure out what I'm going to do with this. And uh, the ones who would have encounters, the ones who had tasted and seen that God was good, they would go off to college and they would do really well. The ones who... It was just stories and stuff they learned. Uh, they would rarely do well when they went off. They would fade. They would get captivated by other pleasures. Right? I'm telling you, you got to taste and see that God is good. you got to drink. we got to create an atmosphere with our thirst where God, where we can come to him and he'll respond and people can drink. Amen? So, John 4, 13 through 14. This is Jesus. Uh, all the apostles went out to get lunch, left Jesus by himself at a well in Samaria. Uh, but he's, it's a setup. He's there to talk to a lady, right? They're getting lunch because they were hungry. He had food they didn't know about. Jesus answers and says to her, the woman at the well, you guys know the story. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. This water will satisfy you briefly, but not eternally, not long-term, right? But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. You'll be so satisfied that it'll be enough for life. Now, I think he's talking about a continual drinking here because he says, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You won't just be needing a source of life. You will be a source of life. You will be drinking from my well. Now, I want you to consider something. He is revealing himself as the source of satisfaction to a woman who is on her sixth man. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. Do you think she was looking for something in her life? Do you think 
She had something that needed to be filled. Do you think she had some need that wasn't getting addressed? She's on her sixth man. And God says, are you, are you tired of wells yet? Men don't make great wells. Except for one guy, Jesus. So I am the source that will satisfy you, and it'll last. Right? And so she gets this, and what I love is she perceives he's a prophet because he just told her how many marriages she had. And she immediately begins to express her thirst to him in verse 20 and 25, and then he answers in verse 24 and 26. First thing she says is, uh, hey, I see you're a prophet. The Jews say we're supposed to worship down there, but uh, Samaritans worship over here. Where do I go to worship? I'm thirsty to worship. And he says, well, salvation comes from the Jews, but the time is coming it won't matter where because God is desiring those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. She goes, okay, good. She goes, I know Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll tell me uh, all things. He'll tell us all things. And she goes, uh, she goes, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty about worship, and I'm thirsty about this Messiah. I'm real interested in worship, and I'm real interested in this Messiah. I'd like to know more about these things. And Jesus' answer to her is stunning. The Pharisees tried to pin Jesus down numerous times. Just tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And he would always give them some answer where they weren't quite sure. The disciples were still kind of trying to figure it out. Nobody, you don't see a plain answer anywhere in the New Testament except to this woman who just wanted, who was just thirsty for worship and a relationship with the Messiah. And he just says, I'm him. That's it. I'm him. Isn't that awesome? This poor, thirsty woman who's on her sixth or seventh well. He says, I'm him. I'm telling you guys, he will reveal himself to thirsty seekers. He will reveal himself to thirsty seekers. He will reveal himself to thirsty seekers. Thirst is a good thing. We want it. Yeah? Yes. Right. Rachel, why don't you bring the band up? So we got, oh, good, 35 minutes left in case you're thirsty. If you're not thirsty, maybe you could get thirsty by the end of that time. You can come to him. If you start serving, you can drink. You with me? Guys, we need to express our thirst to God. It does not offend him. He loves it. We need to express our thirst to God. Amen? Amen. All right. Stand up. I want to pray for you. Lord, as we get ready to come to you in worship, we do this because we're coming to you. Lord, I just want to express our thirst. Lord, I just want to say, uh, we love what you're doing here. We love the love, the fellowship. We love the the presence and worship. We love that we've prayed for the sick, seen him get healed. But Lord, it's not enough because, because the world needs to see you and we aren't displaying all of you. Lord, we are thirsty for more of you. We want to drink from the fountain of life. We want to drink from the rivers of your pleasure. So Lord, today, I just ask, uh, stir that thirst in us.
I like being thirsty for you, God. Stir that thirst in us. It drives us to seek. Lord, we just ask this morning, you would make us thirsty for more of Jesus.